Welcome back to season four of the Path of Believer podcast. We are so stoked for you guys and gals to listen to all the testimonials and deep talks on relevant topics and culture today. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts or any other podcast platform, please don't forget to drop a review and subscribe down below if you haven't yet. We are also available on YouTube for those of you who love to watch the live action unravel. So this week, we have a good friend of mine, Christopher Lorenz, who is the leader of a ministry in our local area called the 180 House. We will talk about how he served a path with the Lord to where he is now. So stoked for you guys to hear it. Uh, so pop in some headphones in and may Christopher's journey bless your day. Love you. Bye. Welcome back to another episode on Path of Believer, this is season four, the first episode, and it is with a good friend. Uh, his name is Chris. Chris. Lorenz. Lorenz. <laughs> and he is part of the 180 House, which is a ministry under uh, Youth for Christ. And um, yeah, you've moved to Florida how many years ago now? Yeah, most people move to Florida. I'm actually from Florida, um, fifth generation, so... Uh, my dad, grandma, like they all from the East Coast. So I grew up on the East Coast in West Palm Beach, and uh, I've only been over here on the Gulf side for uh, what six years since 2014. Wow, yeah. So that's been a couple years of just getting used to the whole Florida vibe, and you've done amazing because like the vibe in here is the most beachy like surfer vibe ever, and. Um, a lot of like students that come here, I mean, I've just heard from them, like they love the vibe here and it's amazing. Um, but on this podcast, we don't talk about interior designing. We talk about, you know, the work of the Lord and people's lives. And how did you get into ministry? How did you get to know the Lord? Um, how did that start out to getting where you are now, which is in this rad, awesome ministry where you get to impact the lives of children uh, who come from all types of walks of life and um, started out maybe in places where you started out. Yeah, so it's kind of a choppy journey, but I feel like I'm still on that path of trying to figure it all out. Um, I'm a super stubborn individual, so I feel like I figured it all out multiple times in my life. And then I look back, I'm like, oh yeah, I had no clue what I was doing. Um, so I'm definitely doing that now. And maybe five years or so from now, I'll look back and say the same thing. But my testimony, sort of basic as far as like growing up in the church and uh, my parents were volunteer youth workers at the church that we went to before there was like paid youth pastors. And so I grew up just going to church, uh, accepted Jesus when I was super young and uh, probably recommitted my life to Christ all through middle school. And did you start out in a like... Um a certain denomination of a church was mm -hmm. a non-denominational yeah it was a presbyterian church presbyterian so yeah. this is pretty different or pretty the same of how they do ministry um in that type of growing up setting well the 180 house here is i would say different than any ministry any church has done because right. our goal here is to really reach students that would never step foot in a church right so i feel that what we're doing here is uh being, I'll say, a part of the body of Christ that just by the label church mm. um, eliminates a lot of people from even engaging in conversation with people because right. they don't want anything to do with it. So we just try to create a space here at the 180 House. Our tagline is be here, be you, belong. And mm. it's kind of like just trying to create a space that's like the well where 
people from all walks of life can meet each other and ideally um, we can have a safe place to share our faith. Wow, that's awesome. So you're growing up in the Presbyterian um, uh, lifestyle of Christianity and your journey is... I feel like that should be another t-shirt, Presbyterian life. You know? <laughs> Presbyterian life. <laughs> yeah, no, um, I don't even really know if I knew what that meant or their doctrine at all. Um, it was being indoctrinated into me, okay. whether I was aware of it or not. Adopted faith, basically. Yeah, yeah, I'd say I'd say that. And so all the way through growing up, it was this is my parents' faith and religion. Um, and I am part of their house and their family. So this is who I am. Right. Um, but I would say one of the biggest, uh, I want to say come to Jesus cliche, but moments was post high school, figuring out who I was um, as a follower of Jesus. Uh, is this something I do because it's what my parents do? Or like, where do I stand on a lot of these things? And so um, it was, I was, I think I was about 21 years old around that age where uh, my cousin and I had been actually digging into our thoughts, our beliefs on our relationship with Jesus rather than just kind of how we grew up. How did you, if you can expand upon that, how did you even come to that? Like, you know, at 21 years old, that's like being real. Not a lot of youth wants to do that. They don't want to really, they do search themselves, Mm -hmm. but they don't really want to go into like, oh, what is Jesus? Like, why why do I believe the things I believe as much? It's more of like YOLO lifestyle, so to say, you know, especially in my generation, you know, the millennial-ish, Gen Z transitional um, area. Um, That's kind of like the mindset. How did you, or what caused you and your cousin to enter into that headspace? So I'd say um, figuring out our worldview. Um, Growing up in the church, I learned how to be a super moral person. Mm -hmm. And I would say it was very pharisaical. I would live a life that was better than somebody else's. And so I could judge and look down upon them because I'm not sinning the way they are. Mm -hmm. And so in that we'll say the now YOLO, you do you lifestyle, um, I could do, had the freedom to sin and live the life I wanted to live as long as it wasn't as bad as some of my friends or some of the other people. And so I felt that I kept that almost like a moral card in my back pocket where, well, at least I don't do this, right? At least I don't do that. And I felt so fake, I'd say, using that and playing that over and over. And I just thought there had to be, I think it was that, that emptiness that you feel um, where there's got to be more than just going through the motions of religion. Right, right. And so you guys went through this stage at 21. Um, and so you were in college or high school. Oh, well, no, you're out of high school by that. <laughs> super day. slow. That's I was super, still in high school. <laughs> <laughs> My no. mom calls me special. So. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, you're in a university, I'm guessing, or uh, college um, years. How was that like? Like, Yeah, college years for sure. Um, I definitely didn't know what I was supposed to be doing. So I was doing community college, EMT, fire academy, things like that. Uh, really felt called, God calling me into that sort of career. Um, and so that that's the direction my life was heading. Uh, really focused on honestly 
who my wife was going to be and like looking hardcore um, at that age like hey right. I want I want to put roots down I'm looking for a girl and I'm looking for my career I was looking for stability I had kind of been a little bit well traveled as far as doing what I wanted to do and most of the time again I would check it off a box that it's not bad because it would be a mission strip mm. but it was always about usually about me and um so where did you go like for mission trips like locally in the geez. states or <laughs> that's a good question i don't know um so my grandparents were missionaries in peru um right. that's kind of growing up in the church type thing or even gotcha. it's been ingrained way way deep in me my wow. grandparents were down there for 29 years um and so i'd been back to peru a few times to see the house my grandfather built and the people and the lives that they've impacted um i had done a trip super selfish trip to japan um which we didn't we're in there for long we've done costa rica we've done guatemala we've done um mexico just different trips in different places and at that time 21 maybe a little bit later was um working with the organization called joshua expeditions down in the keys and we were leading sort of like sea camp teaching kids about the marine ecology and then also giving a uh working with the migrant communities down in Homestead as well. So a, a Christian school could come down and bring like their high school trip to go have a little vacation in the Keys, learn marine ecology, and do a community service project at the same time. So that's really where God was kind of like, hey, maybe there's more to than just firefighter and EMT. Right. Maybe this is just an option of what I have for you. So we've talked about this behind the cameras and stuff but like you're a teacher or we're a teacher um in a high school that's local here yeah. um and so that's kind of like how you got into teaching or that was like the beginning of the seed being planted that i had always seen my lifestyle is never being able to work a nine-to-five job like behind a desk and so that's where like okay firefighting one day on two days off helping people um, I'm super critical thinker. Like these are some of the gifts that God has given me, and I think I would be good at it. And so I was really passionate about it. Um, but that's where God was like, maybe that's not what you're supposed to be doing. Maybe mm -hmm. that was a means to an end to actually impact teens, because I had a heart for working with young people and helping them not make the, some of the mistakes that I made going right. growing up. So, and so you entered into got your bachelor's right is that what you need for yeah so for that's like that's a little bit farther ahead um i had the door slammed on me um well i'll go back a little yeah, bit yeah, to, to the it. testimony there's like there's like a lot yeah. coming right now coming from all different angles just take it how, how you remember it so my cousin and i 21 started this is going back into my testimony right um started with a small group of us breaking bread together doing communion together and really digging deeper into what following Jesus really looked like. And kind of, I guess we would call it like deconstructing church and religion and all the stuff that we had been taught and figuring out why we practice these ways of Jesus. And so I was baptized by my cousin. Um, and it, it was one of my struggles for a long time is baptism. It was, everything was about salvation. Everything was about, are you going to heaven? And it was a it was a ticket I had to like yeah I got my get out of hell free card let's see do you want to when you die like do you want to go to heaven or hell mm, let me think about that one yeah okay I'll take the like even if like I was an atheist I'm gonna believe in this just in case um, but I never looked at following Jesus as actual a way of life and so that's where 
that was the beginning of it is if I really want to follow him as my, I'm an apprentice under Jesus, mm. why am I not following in his footsteps? Mm. And if he said, you should be baptized, like, why am I not doing that? And I had up until that point been like, well, it's not salvational. It's not necessary to do. Um, and I know there's people have all different beliefs on different parts of that, but I think everyone boils down to, it's like, it's one of those things. So I was like, why am I holding out of something I'm not doing? And so why don't I like start giving in? So that was the first part, gave in, gave my, surrendered my life to baptism. Um, and then I felt there was a huge change at that. That was like the tipping point. Mm. So in terms of like baptism, um, you, the whole like perception you had up to that moment was as long as I get baptized, I'm good. No, it was, I don't need to get baptized. Oh, you don't need to get baptized. Correct. Gotcha. gotcha. So I guess that would be some of the Presbyterian doctrine is it's, you know, you can get, uh, dedicate your child or they'll, they'll call it infant baptism or different things like that. Okay. I was never that, but um, my parents maybe dedicated me to the church and like there's that whole theology there, but it wasn't about I'm dying to my old self like that that wasn't a salvational point. I was never taught that and I still don't see in the Bible where that is a, you're not a Christian until you actually enter the water and come out. Mm -hmm. um, I believe that it's a symbol of, of that. And so I, I was like, I don't need to do a symbolic thing. Right. And honestly, it's probably a lot of my proud, arrogant nature that I still struggle with to this day of right. pushing back of, I'm just gonna not do it just because I have the freedom not to. And I realized that was the first part at that age where God is like, it's not about you. It's about letting go of you for wow. me. That's good. Yeah. Um, that is something like me personally. Um, I also like, you know, growing up when it, it came to like baptism, um, always. Well, so I had like this set goal. I wanted to get baptized Um by the time I'm 18, like within that 18 year like period. And I did do it. But um, a lot of my friends I remember, they, they were like very hesitant and they're like, I don't know if, and it's like very, I guess you could say kind of in the Christian world, uh, one of those murky things that mm -hmm. very often has like those, like this person says this, this, and it comes to like a place of almost to some instability. Uh, which kind of sounds like what was in your head going on. And your cousin, it sounds like, kind of helped you navigate that. Uh, was he also Presbyterian? or? Um... Nah, he lived a completely different lifestyle. And really? he was having a whole different path with Jesus. Of, um, I, I can't speak to his family of origin. Right, I know right. that we both had grandparents who were missionaries. We both had families who were Christian growing up. I'd say he kind of pushed back a lot harder and didn't play like the moral Christian card. He was more like, I don't want any of that because I've seen mm -hmm. it maybe. Um, so he he was actually, you know, on, on a has a completely different testimony right, than right. I do. So it's Definitely. not like we were on the same track together. It was like we were on completely different tracks, but crossing at the same time. And, and that's interesting. You know, um, I, I've recorded other people's testimonies um, and we had this guy, Mark, and uh, the person that got used in his life was, you know, the story in the Bible where it talks about how the Lord used the donkey. Mm -hmm. It's like, and I'm not calling all, any of those people like donkeys, but like, 
what I'm saying is like the Lord can use whatever and whoever he wants to get to you. If he wants to say something to you, he'll make it known to you. And he'll use like the most unlikely or unlogical to us people to do the greatest works, you know? And I think that's like almost anybody's testimony, yours and mine, like the things that we do now, like I personally can say, I never would have thought I would be where I am like recording a podcast, for example, to share people's testimonies as an example. Um, Would have never thought that, you know, all those little things that I took in high school, like multimedia classes and all (laughs) that stuff. I'm like, I'm just doing this for a credit, like, you know, and, um, but now I'm using all that for the kingdom, for building God's kingdom, expanding it. And, um, you know, I I love this one quote that uh, I think it was my pastor who said it. Um, God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Right. And that's just like the yes and amen statement for anybody. I think like Mm -hmm. if you can speak on that, like just to everybody, uh, like who who might be like doubting themselves, you know, and like, you know, oh, I'm not qualified for going into doing X, Y, Z, but like clearly we're testimonies of that. That's definitely my story for sure. I, um, so, so post that tipping point of, you know, I'd say actually wanting to follow Jesus as a lifestyle rather than just checking a box. Um, there was a huge gap, and I'll say up until this ministry started, of um, pharisaical moralism of just being a good... So after that, you know, I met my amazing wife, Ashley, um, and that's a whole other story of how we, we met and everything, but um, I was living a life for a long time of my identity as a believer was being a good husband and being a good father to our three kids that we have now, which are good things, but they aren't the source of it. And I was using that as my identity of, it, it looks really good to my community and my church and my friends if my marriage is good and my kids are obedient and and that's where a lot of it was which was the opposite of grace there's no grace at all in that it's all about self-righteousness yeah yeah and so i realized it was going back to um sort of those roots of just being a moral person um and not about actually apprenticing to jesus in those ways and there's a pastor that I want to say right about when this ministry started that I started listening to and following um, John Mark Comer. He has a church called Bridgetown out in Portland, Oregon. And he literally has a website. I'm shameless plug here, but like it's called practicingtheway.org. And it puts in these applicable ways to actually surrender yourself to practice Jesus's ways today. Um, and he had a book that absolutely wrecked my life. Um, it's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And it mm. talks about four things that go completely against our culture. Um, silent. Go, go, go. Yeah, culture. like literally, I and that's my mentality is be productive. Like it's a good thing to a certain extent, but it is way overused in our culture right now. And it's the rat race. Jesus never called us to, to the rat race. And Matthew 11, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden. I will right. give you rest. I'm like, please give me some of that. But before I get that, I got to go finish and grind out to finish a podcast or, you know, get the 180 house ready or do whatever I have to do for you. And it was this huge realization later, which I'll say the beginning of this ministry was like my next tipping point was 
and I'm still trying to figure this out, God cares more about who I am than what I do. And I have to, I say that to everybody because I still don't believe it myself. I'm still struggling because, yeah, but if I don't do this, then these kids that I know that are struggling here aren't mm. going to get this. And if I don't do that, and yeah, it's just... It's, it's kind of like this, um, because I've thought about that myself. It, it, it's almost like we get into this mentality like God needs us, but in all realities, he doesn't. It, it's it, a, a need and a want are two different things. He wants us to serve him, yeah. but he doesn't need us to serve him, you know? And that's something myself, I, I totally agree with it. Like, and uh, and it, if you don't think you're struggling with it, just stop and analyze your life. You'll realize that you might be going through that. It's like we get into this grind. Like, I mean, I'm a full-time student. I'm, I'm doing like one, two, three mis- uh, ministries. And it's like all that stuff on top of life. And like, you know, I, I'm the head of house uh, right now because my yeah. father passed away, you know, oldest son taking up and all that stuff just goes on me. And honestly, if I don't rest, I realize I go crazy, Say like that. mentally, like it's just, just so much fog. And I, I like just, sometimes I'll just blank out and I'm like, oh my goodness, like my brain is not even catching up. It's like, or not my brain, my body's not. Mm. My brain is like a million miles an hour and it's like, and I love the verse where, you know, um, I have this uh, put on our Instagram on Beatside. It's like Jesus on the boat sleeping when the storm is happening and it's just be still. Yeah. You know, that verse that says, be still and know that I am God. And that just like stopping, it detoxes us so much. And there's this doctor, her name's Dr. Caroline Leaf, um, great neuroscientist, and she's Christian um, herself too. And she talks about how we have like all this mental toxicity that happens when we just have all this stuff that we don't analyze and we just go, go, go. And almost like you're cluttering your brain. Mm. And then we're just, oh my goodness, how did I get here? Yep. Yeah, that's the, so the four things in that book that wrecked my life, Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, um, Silence and Solitude was the first one. Um, Sabbath was the second one. Um, Simplicity was the third. And then slowing was the fourth. And the one that kind of was super, I'll say, religious for me was the Sabbath. I had looked at the Sabbath just like I'd looked at baptism. Mm. Baptism is great, but we don't have to be baptized to like have a relationship with God. Right. It's it's right. a tool that is used that kind of shows a public announcement that yeah. Sabbath, we don't have to do Sabbath. That's something that was Old Testament. Jesus gave us freedom from that. Right. And I was rereading this book and the way our bodies were designed, like literally God rested. Yes. Like on the seventh day God rested. And there's this silly cliche that people say, well, the devil never takes a day off. And I love what John (laughs) Mark talks about in this book is like, yeah, well, um, two things on that. Um, The devil, you know, loses at the end. And the second thing, he's the devil. We shouldn't be following what he does. We should follow what God does in the way we were designed. That's so good. And my, I, I thrive on, again, the successes. Am I doing a good job as a, uh, a father or a husband? And it's like, I always got to be doing more, doing more, doing more. So to rest is so opposite of our culture. And it's literally looked down upon. When people greet each other, they say, hey, um, how are you doing? 
And I'd say the two responses that are most common are good, but really busy. Mm. Because our culture says if you're busy, then that's good. Or tired. Tired is good. Because if you're tired, that means you're probably pretty busy. Mm. But to people who are joyful and say, you know, are actually there with that. And I'm not saying to be fake, but... Right actually live a life that is well rested and connected to the father is so foreign and if that could be something that the body of christ is doing is amazing and there's an analogy that um i thought of that i struggled with the doing for god rather than being with him i was trying to picture him again as a father figure and wanting to spend time with me so i i again i have three kids um love them to death and i just imagine they grow up, they're 10, 8, and 6. They grow up, they go off to college. <clears throat> Let's say they're gone for four years, they're doing abroad. I haven't seen them in forever. They come home, and I'm at the front door. I've grilled their favorite thing. They're of age. Maybe I got their favorite adult beverage waiting, and we're going to celebrate together. You know, we're going to pop a bottle of wine, whatever. We're going to have a good time together. And I'm ready to celebrate with them. I haven't seen them in forever. And I open the front door, and I put my arms out, and they dip under my arms and say, what's up, pops? And they go grab the lawnmower and start mowing the yard for me. Mm. That's not what I want. I want to wow. be with them. And I feel like that's the way that my relationship was with God. It's when I go to spend time with God, it's never mm. pleasing for him. It's God, I got to check a few boxes for you. So I'm going to do ministry here and do this here for you. And he's like, you're completely missing it. Come get lost in the woods. For me, get out in the water, go paddle, go like be with me. It reminds me of uh, the story Mary and Martha, you know, 100%. you know, it's just like, just come, come and rest. Like, it's good what you're doing, but like, you know, she got it right. Yeah. And that's just, wow, that's beautiful. So you're going through all this and it's just like, I'm listening to this and I'm just getting like waves of <laughs> glory of like revelations here. And it's just amazing. So you're going through this. You got married. Um, you got your bachelor's degree. Um, you're, you're teaching now, right? Yeah. So I'll, I'll speed up to that. So before I was married, I was still on the EMT firefighter track and I just really felt God was calling me to do that. And then on my days off, my time off, I was going to be able to do youth ministry on the side because that's what I kind of felt like in the bottom of my heart was supposed to be doing. And after we got married, it was very clear. God was like, I think I, I, I need you to get into teaching. Your ministry is going to be, you're going to be a missionary, but it's going to be in public schools and the government's going to pay for it. I'm like, cool, because I'm way too proud to go ask for money because I'm not going to do that. <laughs> so I'll go be a teacher, which is humble and it's noble and everything. It's, and uh, the one thing that was really hard was my wife had to work full time to put me back in school as we were having a child. Wow. So someone who struggles with pride, that was really hard for me mm-hmm. to let my wife do that. To two, go back to college and finish at 28, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, to get my bachelor's and then also in a career that is dominated by females. Right. So it was like, okay, so what was really happening is God was working with my pride this whole time. Wow. And I never, again, realized it then. I thought it was just... I'm just taking my lickings and going for it. But after, you know, my wife just so graciously worked, um, I kind of did the daddy daycare for our first son, went, finished, got my bachelor's, and we I taught for about a year and a half or two years over in West Palm. And then here was the next thing of the pride um, that God was working on. Uh, I love surfing. 
and I don't know if you know this, but the Gulf Coast, the waves suck over here, and yeah. the waves on the East Coast, they're not great, but they're much better, and spearfishing, my family's there, just, I love it, geography, it's big city, much more multicultural, like, it's, it's my style, and it's home still, to this day, it's home, uh, and I knew it was hard for my wife to be over there, because her family's over here, and I had, out of my pride and whatever, honestly, probably super manipulative, uh, said this is where we're supposed to be. And finally God pried, just like he pried firefighting and all the other stuff out of my hand. It was the East Coast out of your hand. You're supposed to come over here. So I like, I put my head down and taking my lickings again. All right, we'll go across the state. We'll go be with your family. Leave all my family, leave all that. Give up surfing pretty much because there's nothing over here. And sorry, I'm getting like choked up even thinking no, about it. Like, you're fine, bro. <laughs> you're fine. Take your time, it, it bro. Wasn't, it wasn't good. Like I didn't like it. I, I, and I still, honestly, to this day, it's great over here. It's better over there. So anybody can fight no, me on that. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, dude, I, I've it's seen, home. Yeah. I've seen like the waves and everything yeah. there. And it, I still to this day have it on, on my bucket list to go there. And I have a friend who lives there and I'm like trying to make it potentially this year. You so. can stay with my folks over there. So anyways, we moved over and again, part of God's plan. I ended up teaching at Sarasota High School for the first year. And the way God has weaved so many intricate stories that I can't even get into all of them here, built some relationships with people at Sarasota High School, and I started like a little bit of a, a skate ministry, a skate club, because there's Payne Park up there. Mm. I was like, if I can't surf, I'll skate, and we'll skate with a few kids. So I did that, and I'd heard about this guy that started a skate ministry called 180 Skate. His name's Tim Stork, a phenomenal dude, and um, never really met him, but I knew of him from up there. We live in Nokomis, ended up getting a job at Venice High School and taught there for about three years. And through that time, on the last year teaching, uh, a guy named Caleb Bell, that was friends with my wife, his wife and my wife were friends, introduced me to a guy named Parker Thurman. And Caleb had been approached by Parker because Parker wanted to start like a surf ministry. And Caleb's like, dude, I know a guy. And he's from the East Coast. He loves it. He's passionate about it. And he would be really great. Parker worked for Youth for Christ mm. and was trying to start that, but also get um, adult mentors. And what Youth for Christ does is reach kids where they're at. Um, and usually it's in high schools um, to give them, you know, the gospel. And so Parker, Caleb, and I met. We dreamt about what a surf ministry would look like. We honestly thought it was going to look like serving pancakes down at the jetty and mm. um, doing pop-up coffee and just hanging out and loving on that community. But when we researched, is anybody else doing this? Tim, who has had the skate ministry, um, he actually started volunteering with Youth for Christ. And mm. so he was doing skate ministry and already with Youth for Christ there. And there's a place, amazing place called Ride Nature, the House of Ride Nature in Fort Myers. And they do um, international missions through board sports and the arts. So he said, okay, well, Tim's got this going. Ride Nature's down in Fort Myers, and they actually have a house. It's a coffee shop, skate shop. And I've seen that. Yeah. I've seen it online. It's yeah. super rad. They're actually looking for interns, I think, still for the summer, but super great people. Um, so he said, we want to do that, but we wanted, we have to do it under Youth for Christ, which is 11 to 19-year-olds, and I'm a teacher at the high school, so we'll kind of do it through teens. And two weeks later, Caleb found this place, and... Youth for Christ said, yeah, we'll let you guys rent it for a year. We have enough money to invest into it for a year. And it was just like, Hail Mary, just see if it works. In that year, I think we had like 
a couple hundred kids that had come through the 180 house and um, through hardly any leaders. And so it grew way faster than we thought. And so I had complained, I guess, too much about <laughs> how this place needed somebody to run it and needed more like it, it was a huge, li- it still is a liability, but yeah. it's a huge, yeah. it was a huge liability. I mean, te- teens, kids. Yeah, we've like, got a half pipe yeah. mini ramp and a rock wall right. and all kinds of stuff. We do, we actually sponsor bad ideas here, but, um, <laughs> so yeah, I went to youth for Christ and they knew it too. This God was doing big things here. And, um, they asked if I would go full time and run it. And I was like, there's no way. And this is again, part of my story. I don't know if it's my testimony, but it's how God has pushed us. My wife has her master's in social work. So she was supposed to be going back to work to get a um, job as a therapist, making three times what I would make teaching. And I was gonna do homeschool our kids. And that was the plan. Well, God had been wrecking her of like, Chris isn't supposed to stop teaching. He's not supposed to stop working with kids. And she never shared that with me. And eventually when I came, I said, hey, I know this isn't gonna happen because I'm not supposed to do this. You're supposed to go full time, but this is what has been offered. And then like she broke down in tears and she's like, this is, God's been telling me this is what we're supposed to do. Like dreams or like just? Really speaking through the spirit to her. Um, oh, wow. I don't know if you're into the. Uh, no, I en- am. I am. I, well, we talked about the why. Enneagram earlier. Yeah. And so she's an Enneagram four. So she's very in touch with her feelings and emotions. Right. As an Enneagram eight, um, I don't know what emotions are. I'm learning. But <laughs> yeah, I don't. I just press them all the way down. But um, she's really in touch with that. So that's the way the spirit speaks to her a lot. Right. And he also had put some people in both of our lives that God had spoken to and kind of said, I don't know what this means, but Chris isn't supposed to leave working with kids and that's when that happened so that's awesome i left teaching and it was really really hard decision because it was in the summer and i knew that if i kept my job open to come back i wouldn't have tried to fundraise and build funds to actually be a missionary here because i would have that to fall back on and so i think it's like cortez when he conquered mexico he burned his ship so there was no Hmm. retreat so i that's what I had to do because I knew the type of person I was. And I said, let's get after it and see what God can do. Um, everybody said it's going to take about nine months to 12 months to build support. And I said, well, we've got two and a half this summer. Um, we'll see what happens. Wow. And God came through and we were, our family was fully funded by the end of summer. And God. yeah, Youth for Christ took us on and we've been doing this ever since. So now my wife, super, super gracious woman that homeschools three kids which if anybody knows that who yeah everybody's had to homeschool after covid yeah i I mean i don't do it all the time but my sister when it first hit it's tough it's not easy man and especially like everybody well right now with the covid like everybody needs the computer in a sense and it's like hogging the computer time so ashley lorenz is a saint and yeah she's my rock dude that is wow just crazy so you got this awesome place um what in this whole like journey um would you say were some of your like biggest successes and some of the downfalls that happened and how did you get over those you know like there's in like those just like roller coaster moments how did you happen to like get back up because that's like life it's up and down it's not a smooth sailing you know so it's it's still there, I feel. Um, since starting this ministry, I told you I, I've been digging into 
that unhurried lifestyle and really trying to apprentice better to Jesus, um, Sabbathing more, slowing. A lot of it from my like journey into self-awareness about like my personality type, talked about like Enneagram 8 or whatever Myers-Briggs you use to find out more about yourself. I have a lot of fears with control and I have issues with control. And so I've seen that the downfalls are always when I believe, I, I even use this quote, it's, it's an illusion of control. Mm. So, so people say, I need to give up control. No, no, you need to give up the illusion. You never even had control, mm. but you need to give up the illusion of control. And that's every major part of my life, giving up firefighting. That was me trying to control. Giving up the East Coast was me trying to control or the illusion of it. And so from what I've seen is when things get really hard and difficult for me, I have to go inward and it sucks because I hate going to that spot. I'm not a feeler, but really go to have a better, more wholesome, holistic approach to it. What am I holding on to that God's trying to get me to let go of? And this morning I was on a phone call when I when you showed up here. Yeah. We've reproduced this 180 house to two other 180 houses. Right. They're not being run the way this one is run. Hmm. It's freaking me out. This one's not even being run the way I want it to be run. It's all about, for me, it's like systems and programs that we need to put in place to make it all work. And again, God's just whispering, I don't need you. Hmm. We've got an alpha on a Bible study. It's an opportunity on Monday nights for our students to come and explore their faith. So I'm like, all right, cool. So once they do that, I can build a program of like a guy's Bible study they can get into after that. So I had this all set up. You, if you want to learn more about who Jesus is, go to Alpha. And then if you want to go a little bit deeper, you can go to this and then get plugged into a church. And this is whole pipeline that we're trying to build. There's people showing up to the Bible study that aren't followers of Jesus. That's okay. We're reading Matthew together. And yeah. If they want to do that, awesome. And there's kids coming to Alpha that you know are already in the Word, and they just want to do this. This is the group of people, and God just keeps telling me, reminding me in these roller coaster moments. The down times are always when you're trying to grab onto something, and when you let go, you realize you're not going down. Is it that it's that idea that's going down? If we're really going to pray for Thy kingdom come, then let go of our will. Mm. That's good. Well, guys, this was Chris. <laughs> Lorenz, he's an awesome man of God, as you guys can see. He's been through a lot. And if you could just tell others who, you know, been going through something um, in life like you with, you know, just letting go and of, like, pride and all that, what would you say, like, be one of the biggest tips you could give them? On how to give up pride? Yeah. <laughs> or like deal with it, you know, just kind of like every day die to self. And So for me, it's hold out your hand and think of everything that you actually have control over. Even down to the next breath you take mm. and realize that how, I, I, I hate to say it, but like, I don't say how insignificant we are, but like we really, it's an illusion, control is an illusion. And so when we put ourselves in this place of the two gods that we serve are in this culture is accomplishment and accumulation. If you think about every single day, it's I need to accomplish this podcast, open the 180 house, like get this to continue this upper projection or accumulating more things. 
And if we can get rid of that thought, we're not slaves to anything right. that's going to control us. And we can be more open to what God's calling us to do. I'm very guilty because I got a death grip on a bunch of stuff that I'm not even aware of. So pray for me in that. You heard it here first, guys. Thank you for us for uh, sharing. And guys, check out the 180 House. Uh, they're a great ministry. Uh, if you're young, uh, what's like the age group usually? We're typically high school. So we're located half a mile from Venice High School. Um, so most of the time we have kids that come over after school, Monday, Wednesday, Fridays, 2.30 to 5. We do some other programs as well. Sarasota has um, a 180 house right behind the Chipotle. And we have one up in Bradenton off 30th Street up there. So awesome. Awesome. look for more of them popping up. Yeah. All right, guys. See you next time. Bye.